Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare, a medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine. He is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome to all of our listeners. As always, it's a pleasure to be here with you on the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Welcome to the clinic where we talk about our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. It all comes together for us as Catholics because it's all happening at the same time. And what we really want to do <clears throat> is think like Catholics. In order to be fully healthy in these areas, we want to think like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics, so that we can be Catholics. We've got to live the Catholic lifestyle. It's not just enough to say we're Catholics and, and really not know what that means. You know, we go around and <clears throat> we say, oh yeah, I'm a Catholic and, and I follow the Catholic faith. And sometimes even the most basics uh, of the faith we forget, not because we're not smart, not because we haven't heard it before, but it's easy to get caught up in everything that's going on in our world, in the media, um, and what people are saying, and is this person Catholic or not Catholic? It's so easy to get caught up in that and to forget what am I doing about being Catholic myself? Because when I get to those pearly gates, hopefully I get to the pearly gates and not the fiery ones, um, or they're fiery, they're burning with the love of the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> when I get there, I'm not going to be asked to give account for my neighbor. I'm not going to be asked to give account for how well a politician did his job. I'm not going to be asked to give account for anything other than how well did I live my life uh, according to the tenets that I knew that I studied or that I learned or that I was told about. And in order to be able to do that, that means that I have to read about it. I have to keep up with it. And I have to know what it is that I'm supposed to live out as a Catholic. But let's get today's show started. We've got a great show for you today. Uh, I want to recap a little bit about a conference I gave uh, a couple weeks ago uh, at a local parish here in the Southern California area. And we're going to talk about that and just kind of Talk about how hungry we are as Catholics to just hear the faith and how lucky we are when we find a priest like at this parish that we'll talk about who uh, is willing to, you know, really give the truth of the faith, to give the tenets of the faith and to feed the flock as Jesus had asked of his priests and of really of all of us, you know, when we encounter somebody in our Catholic faith. But let's get our show started here at the noon hour. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, that grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, 
cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> a little housekeeping here. So as we get our show started, uh, just a reminder, we do have the Women's Conference coming up here uh, in about a month's time. True Devotion to St. Joseph. I think it's going to be a great conference. I really want to listen to it. Uh, because even though you know we call it a women's conference, we call them men's conferences, I think we need to listen to all these conferences. I don't think that the women's conference is strictly for women. Uh, if we are, you know, the majority of the vocations that God has given to us are married vocations. Uh, and if we are to live our life uh, in a holy way, in a sacramental way, in a Catholic way, I think it would behoove us as men to listen to a women's conference and to hear really what is it that our wives are talking about? What are they thinking about? What is it that they really need uh, deep down inside and vice versa? I think whenever there's a men's conference, I always encourage women, wives to listen to that, to see, you know, what is it that men feel that they need? Uh, you know, when we get married, we promise to love and honor each other. Uh, and part of honoring each other really is taking a step away from me and realizing marriage isn't just about me. It really is about uh, how do I build a family? And part of that is you know, how do I make, uh, how do I atten uh, attend to my, my spouse's uh, needs and desires? I think that the Women's Conference is a great way to open that door and to learn about that. Again, that's going to be here at the St. Joseph Chapel, Saturday, September 18th, 2021. Uh, at, uh, if you can attend, you can go to our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org and sign up uh, to be here at uh, the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723 for anybody who can attend. If you go to our website, again, that's virginmostpowerfulradio.org, you can always sign up there and attend virtually. Uh, <clears throat> and that's a really nice way to be able to listen and be there uh, without necessarily having to be here directly. Uh, so that's an important uh, important conference coming up. So a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to give a few talks uh, on deliverance and on mental health. And what does that mean? And and how do we think of that as Catholics? And where do we go from there? And so I went actually to St. Madeline Catholic Church right here in Pomona, if anybody's local. Uh, the address is 390, I'm sorry, 931 East Kingsley Avenue, Pomona, California. And Father Bravo was there, kind enough to greet me there uh, and to extend the doors of his church so that we could have a conference and talk about mental health. Uh, and how does that pertain to deliverance? And a lot of people showed up and had a lot of questions. And I realized this is where, when we talk about thinking Catholic and living Catholic in order to be Catholic, you know, the, the people who showed up, I gave this, the conference and one day it was in Spanish and one day it was in English and it was just an hour talk. And we'll discuss a few of the topics here just for our listeners, because I think that it's important to revisit some of those topics. But it made me realize, you know, how much we go through as Catholics and sometimes we're afraid to talk about, sometimes we don't know who to talk about. And, you know, all of a sudden you get a speaker or somebody who's willing to open the doors of certain topics, uh, especially when it comes to mental health, which is, as we know, uh, can be a very taboo issue. Uh, and it's something that we need to address, something that we need to be able to talk about openly. And I'm always glad to do that. So before we even get started on that, if anybody as always has any questions, any uh, comments or anything like that, feel free to email me. My email is dr. dr.sandoval, vmpr at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to email me with any comments, any questions. <clears throat> but this talk that I was asked to give 
was an important talk, I think, uh, because we forget. I know that we talk about it here on the show a lot. If anybody listens to the Jesse and Terry show uh, or they listen to Jesus 911, we're always talking about, uh, you know, the, the how do we approach spiritual warfare and what are the tools that we have and, and whatnot. And it's interesting to hear it as a show, as a, as a lecture, uh, as an educational show, kind of like going to college. But what I realize is when you go to these talks, all of a sudden the stories aren't just a lecture, they get personal and people are ready and willing to ask questions about their personal lives. So I want to discuss that a little bit, not to reveal anything personal for people, but just in general, the topic. So to give you an idea, we're going to make this show a two-parter show for me uh, because the one-hour talks, people were saying, Dr. Sandoval, that wasn't enough. I think we need to we need to go into more detail. It was a very general talk. And what I did was I broke down depression, anxiety, uh, psychosis, and bipolar disorder, which are just kind of the, the main general uh, issues that we deal with in the psychiatric world, and everything kind of falls into that. There are further details other than that within the psychiatric world, but for the most part, when we're dealing with depression, anxiety, bipolar, and schizophrenia, or psychosis, uh, we kind of cover the gamut of what people will encounter or, or the different diagnoses that we're going to approach. There's always one of those involved, regardless of what people are going through. And I talked about one of the questions was, well, what's your approach to uh, deliverance? And if you ever do an interview in terms of you need to evaluate somebody and you see them and you say, hey, uh, you know, this person, I think they think they're going through uh, perhaps some demonic influence in their life, but we don't know if they're going through mental health issues in their life. What's your approach to that? How do you know? And so I really broke it down piece by piece. And in today's show, that's kind of what we want to do. We want to see today's show, hopefully we'll cover depression and anxiety. What does that mean in the deliverance world? And the next show will cover psychosis and bipolar. And what does that mean in the deliverance world? So the first thing is when you approach anybody, uh, this is regardless of, of what, you know, whether you're looking for any kind of spiritual influence in the psychiatric world, the best thing to do when you approach somebody is you walk in the door and you see where they're at, or you see where, uh, how they look when they come to your office, uh, how do they approach uh, the clinic visit. Nowadays, I got to say, we've become very relaxed, you know, in old days. And, and what I mean by old days is maybe, you know, back in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, you know, people would dress up to go places. I remember uh, my parents would tell me that in order to go to the bank, you couldn't just show up in T-shirts and shorts. You had to, you know, if you're going to go to the bank, you, you had to wear a suit and tie uh, in order to be treated with respect and to think that you were somebody who was serious, who was going to be doing serious dealings. Um, and we become very relaxed in society. We become, uh, in some ways it's good. You know, we become less judging, shall we say, of what a person is wearing and we can treat them just as nicely, uh, whether they're wearing a suit and tie or whether they show up in, in shorts and, and a t-shirt and that's fine. But in the psychiatric world, sometimes people show up and you wonder, was it a struggle for them to get dressed this morning? You know, if they show up and they're their clothes are tattered, um, you know, they're showing up in their pajama pants uh, and just a sweatshirt. Uh, obviously, something's going on. You need to ask yourself, well, if you're coming to a doctor's office, for the most part, I'm not saying that you have to be dressed in a black tie attire with a tuxedo or anything like that, but you present yourself. How do you present yourself when you come to a visit? That already tells me a lot about where the person is at in terms of what they're doing, what they're thinking, um, and really what their approach is to the visit at that time. Are they taking it seriously or not? We're going to talk more about that when we come back from the break, and we're going to get into depression and anxiety, and what does that mean in the deliverance world.
Christ. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Louise Sandoval Show, where we talk about thinking like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics and truly say that we are Catholics or be Catholic. Um, today's show, we are uh, talking about really a follow-up to a talk I gave at St. Madeline Parish in Pomona. Um, I gave a couple talks, and I want to give a shout-out to Father Bravo out there, who's doing great work. You know, if, uh, um, he's, one of the, he's a priest who truly believes uh, in the faith that he preaches um, and really understands that people do go through not only mental health issues but spiritual issues, and he's not afraid to help pray for you, help uh, do deliverance prayers for you, um, and, you know, really give you spiritual advice. He really is a solid guy. Um, really, if you go to that church, you're going to realize that you're going to have, um, very, uh, Christ centered, uh, magisterium centered, uh, faith filled homilies and masses. He still has a beautiful communion rail there. Um, and he, you know, really open to talking to his people and taking care of them. I think he's one of these priests who's so hardworking that you're, you're hardly going to hear about him. So I just want to give a shout out to Father Bravo over at St. Madeline Catholic Church in Pomona. Um, <clears throat> so one of the uh, topics that we were talking about before the break was how do we present ourselves to a visit for psychiatric evaluation? This is the first thing that your psychiatrist is going to evaluate, and really any doctor is going to evaluate it, depending on where they work and what department. So if a doctor is working, say, in the emergency department, they're going to see you, and they're going to see you come in, and are you bloodied and bludgeoned, and do you need acute help? Are you Do you need a trauma unit? Are you about to die? Um, what is it that's going on with you? Versus somebody who kind of just walks in and says, you know, I kind of got a little bit of a headache, a stomach pain, I don't know what's going on. Not that that's not equally as important, but if I'm able to speak to you, then I'm going to stop and I'm going to get a story from you. If I see that you're passed out, I better get start getting some vital signs. I better start maybe getting your fluids. Is there any loss of blood? We really need to evaluate the situation based on how the per- person presents itself. And you might be asking, well, Dr. Sandoval, what in the world does this have to do with deliverance? Why would that even matter? Yeah, obviously, if somebody comes to me and they're going to do a deliverance, a specific deliverance evaluation where somebody's referred to me and they say, hey, you know, we need you to do an evaluation and realize, you know, and, and help us discern, does this person have any psychiatric issues or is it just mental health issues or physical health issues? What's going on? The first thing you look at is how do you present yourself? I mentioned this because it, in the deliverance world, it's the same way as how do I present myself to church? This is the things that we don't might not see entirely because we could say, well, yeah, Dr. Samuel, I'm going to dress up for church. Now, we've become very lax in society. People wear shorts to church nowadays or just shorts and a T-shirt or, you know, depending especially if we're teenagers or younger and we feel very youthful, um, that idea of dressing up, I better wear a dress, I better wear some nice slacks and a shirt, uh, maybe even a suit, depending on who the guy is. Um, you know, we, we present ourselves in different ways, but how you present yourself tells me a lot about what your approach was to that visit, whether it be a clinic visit or say going to mass. Mass is kind of like a spiritual clinic visit. How do I show up to mass? Was I thinking about it? Is this just something I have to do on the fly? Was I coming to mass just saying, you know what, just give me my prescription. I'm, I'm here to just receive the Eucharist. Everything else goes out the window. I'm just kind of fulfilling my Sunday obligation and coming in. You know, that happens a lot. Sometimes we see patients that come in and say, doc, I'm just here, you know, everything's fine. I just need my prescription. I don't even need to talk to you. I'm doing okay. And sometimes that's okay. But the reality is, spiritually speaking, even though I show up to church and I'm dressed a certain way, what we really want to look at is how do I present myself spiritually? Did I dress up spiritually? Did I look internally and prepare myself for this mass? That's the first thing I would look at when it comes to where's my spiritual presentation before Christ. If I'm going to go speak to a priest, if I'm going to go to confession, you know, if I'm going to go to that clinic of confession, 
did I present myself in a way? Did I prepare for this for this visit? Did I really stop and think? Um, you know, how am I gonna? What sins do I really have? How am I going to say these sins? I realize it's going to be uncomfortable. It's just like going to the doctor's office. A lot of times, people will go to the doctor's office and say, "I think I've got these things going on inside, but where I don't feel well, or I've got this, you know, mole somewhere. I'm I'm afraid to ask, though. I don't want to ask because I don't want to get bad news. You know what?" If the doctor doesn't say anything about it, then I'll pretend it's not there. And then it must not have been a big deal because he missed it and, or he, he saw it and he didn't think it was a big deal. And you know, we do that for ourselves. We do that all the time. It's no different than going to confession and say, well, I'm going to confess this sin and maybe the priest will figure out that I've got this other sin, but I just not, I'm, I'm not ready to mention that. The only disservice we're doing is to ourselves that we prepare ourselves for that, um, in terms of. Well, if I leave the doctor's office and I never told him about it, I never got an answer. And if it was something serious, I could have gotten treated and, or I could have just found out that it wasn't that serious. Same way when we go to confession, when we present ourselves spiritually, what is it that we're doing? Are we, are we making sure that, you know, we present the information that we are uh, honest with where we're at, with what ailments we have, or are we waiting for the priest or the, or the physician to kind of pull teeth and, and get that out of us? That can be very challenging. What does this have to do with deliverance? The real question is, do we want to be delivered? So if somebody shows up and they say, I, I think I need help with deliverance. I think I need help in terms of, um, you know, I think I'm cursed. I think I need to break curses. I think I need to um, separate myself from this evil stuff, you know, but I've been reading all about it. I've been, I've been looking at this stuff, but I want to separate myself from it. We have to ask ourselves, does this person really want to separate themselves? How do we know? What's their presentation? So that's the first thing that comes up. Okay, now let's get into the more interesting diagnoses things. So once we look at the person, I have to ask questions, right? Somebody comes in, I have to I have to ask the right questions, not just any question in general, but really questions where where are you at? What's going on? Let's look at the first topic. Let's start with anxiety. Anxiety is the easiest one to start with because we all experience anxiety. Everybody worries. I know that we did a show recently on anxiety, um, and hopefully we're going to do a future show on treatment for either anxiety or depression and what happens when that works or not. But when we look at anxiety, one of the questions is, well, what's worrying you? What's, what are you concerned about? You came, if you, somebody comes to the clinic to see me and they say, I'm anxious. I think I'm really worried about things. I need help with this. I have to decide, well, do you need medication or is it li- a life issue? Because one of the things that we need to remember is everybody's going to experience anxiety. It's a normal human emotion. In fact, I hope you experience anxiety. I hope that if something is stressful, you become stressed because that could be life-saving. If all of a sudden you find out that you're at the zoo and they announce overhead, hey, one of the uh, big felines with a lion or a tiger got out of their cage and they're roaming the zoo, please head to the exits. I would hope that there's a fire that sparks inside that creates a little bit of healthy anxiety that motivates us to get out of that dangerous situation, right? So that's a healthy anxiety. That's an anxiety that I hope everybody has. If you're in school and you're taking courses and they say, hey, there's going to be an exam coming up, there's a certain internal anxiety that comes up that's saying, boy, I better study. I better uh, get a good grade. And that's motivational anxiety. That's actually a really good anxiety. The bad anxiety, when does it become a problem? If all of a sudden we're so anxious that we become paralyzed, if we're so anxious that we don't know what to do, if our level of anxiety is such that we keep repeating things over and over in our head, some people say analysis paralysis, and it's the same thing, where we can't get out of the same thoughts, the same concerns, and it really leads to a fear. So normally anxiety is concerned about something that's going to happen in the future. I'm afraid of the unknown of the future. And all of a sudden that can lead into fear where all of a sudden I'm afraid of everything that's happening now. I can't leave the house because something bad's going to happen. 
I can't go on a trip because I'm sure that the car is going to crash, the plane is going to crash, I'm going to forget something. I can't go to a beautiful deserted uh, uh, island or something where there's a resort and, and everything's set up for me because somehow we're going to get stranded, there's going to be a hurricane. We're already worried about the future and what's going what's gonna to happen and we don't know. So we create this fear and we're paralyzed in the present. We're afraid of even doing anything in the now. And that can happen. That that can be very paralyzing for people. That can be treatable, um, especially if we get into that analysis where the, the wheels are turning, but the bike's not going anywhere. It's kind of like being on a stationary bike, and I think I need to get somewhere, and I'm pedaling faster, but I'm really not doing anything. It can lead to an OCD-type symptom. OCD, if anybody knows obsessive compulsive disorder, can lead to a type of symptoms where all of a sudden I need to check things over and over, or I'm really worried about something. The name itself, obsessive compulsive disorder, tells us that there's an obsession or a thought that doesn't go away. And some of the common ones, I'm sure we've either known people or heard of people, where you're worried about bacteria, bugs, things being dirty, um, and you need to go wash your hands over and over. Or you're worried about you didn't lock the door correctly, and so you made it all the way to work in the morning, but boy, you're worried about that front door being locked. So you're going to go back and you're going to flip the lock a few times until it feels right, and then you're going to go back to work. But then guess what? You got to work, and again, you're worried about, did it work? Did it not work? And so, you know, OCD can be very, very debilitating. And these things can be treated. You start talking to somebody, and you look at what's going on with them. What's this? Is this a level of anxiety? What does that translate into in the deliverance world where you got to ask yourself, where's this anxiety coming from? How did it come about? Some people, then you got to look at, is this genetic? You know, gosh, my whole family has always had these anxieties. Okay. Um, so it could be a genetic issue. Um, for other people, you know, there was a trigger in my life. There was a car accident. And ever since then, I started getting worried about driving. Uh, I was rear-ended. It came out of nowhere. And now I can't really drive. God forbid I drive that down that same street, you know, God forbid I, I get behind the wheel of a car and now it's translated into, I don't even want to leave the house. So that can happen too. In the deliverance world, this translates really more into an obsession, uh, kind of influence or a, a, a demonic influence of obsession. And what does that mean? It's pretty much the same thing. Um, it's an attack really from demons or from something dark where all of a sudden we start to believe that, that, you know, we're not good. We start having all these negative thoughts about ourselves. We don't believe that there's anything good about us. We believe that the world is terrible. Um, we feel that, um, you know, nothing's going to go right. It could be a result of a curse. It could be if somebody has cursed us or things along those lines. Um, and all of a sudden, things start, seem to start going wrong in our minds. Everything that we think about, it could be the result of if somebody's starting to really get into deliverance and all of a sudden they feel like they have to read every book on demons and the devil, that's an unhealthy obsession with deliverance. And that's not good because all of a sudden, sometimes we blur the line and people start to say, I need to study about this. I really need to learn about this because I feel I'm being attacked. So I'm going to go deeper into studying about this. Why is this a problem? People would say, well, what's the problem with that? And, you know, if, if you're in the medical world, if you see that there's a disease, don't doctors specialize in, in particular diseases? Say, you know, I went to the doctor and he was a specialist on kidneys and he really delved into the kidneys and he knows every layer of the tissues and he knows how the kidneys function and the filtration system and exactly the osmos, the osmolarity of, of, you know, the filtration and everything that's going on. Why is that bad? Don't you want to learn about the kidneys? Sure, when it comes to the medical world. But when it comes to the world of deliverance, when it comes to the world, our spiritual world, 
we weren't made to learn about hell and to know about the intricacies of hell and things along those lines on a regular basis. Sure, there are some priests, if you are in deliverance, it's interesting to learn about that because you need to know what you're dealing with. But for the majority of people, just knowing that there is a hell out there and that there is darkness out there is enough. We don't want to get into it because all of a sudden that can start playing with our minds. We got to ask ourselves, what were we built for? We all have kidneys, but not all of us are out there reading deeply about the kidney because, you know, as long as they're working, we're okay. We have specialists who look at that and we don't need to delve into that so deeply unless it's affecting us in some way. If we feel that we are being affected, it's okay to look enough into uh, what the demonic might do, how they might attack us, um, what's going on. But at the same time, just like in the medical world, you end up going to the doctor. You don't stop there and read all about your kidneys. You kind of get a general idea. You go to the doctor and you trust, hopefully, on the treatment that they're going to give you and, and how they're going to help you out because they've already known about this and they've studied about it. This can happen in the deliverance world. People can become obsessed with the occult, with the darkness, and all of a sudden they start to learn all the little details. The lines can blur, however, between studying about this and actually getting into this. And we're going to talk about that when we come back from the break because we have to make a very important distinction as to why this would cause somebody anxiety-type symptoms that are really demonic obsessions. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Lee Sandoval Show here on Bridge of Most Powerful Radio. As always, thank you for all of our listeners for joining us. And if you're just joining us today now, uh, today we are talking about... Um, Deliverance, mental health, and based on a conference I gave uh, recently at St. Madeline Catholic Church in Pomona, um, really to go through some of the finer nuances of questions people might have in terms of how do you make that distinction between mental illness uh, and demonic influence. If anybody has any questions, my email is there up on the screen if you're watching. It's doctor, that's dr.sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. VMPR, meaning Virgin Most Powerful Radio, um, at gmail.com. And so feel free to uh, ask us any questions or if you have any comments, always welcome. If you all have, also, if you have any ideas for future shows or anything that you'd like to hear about, please let us know. So one of the things we were talking about was anxiety and how does that relate to demonic obsession? Well, I'm going to put up a little uh, link to an article that I found that was pretty good at breaking down the differences between obsessions, oppressions, and um, possession. It doesn't include infestation, but that's something that's important that we're going to talk about on the next show, on part two of this show. So let's talk again about anxiety. We know what anxiety is. We talked about the possibility of having obsessive compulsive thoughts with anxiety. What does that translate into, into the spiritual world? Well, let's back up a little bit because here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that sometimes these obsessions can occur when we're starting to try to live a life that is more virtuous, when we're starting to pray more, uh, when we're starting to get closer to God, sometimes it happens that we're going to get attacked more, right? So it's a test. So if all of a sudden I decide, you know what, I'm going to live my life correctly. I'm just going to give my life to God. I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to fight the sins that I have, the temptations that are coming my way, and I'm just going to devote myself to God. When that happens, it's very common for people to say, gosh, I started to do that. I started to devote my life to God. And all of a sudden my life got kind of turned upside down. I started to feel awful. What's going on with that? Usually <clears throat> it's because if you're going to do that, you're probably going to give off a holy glow and that can be a, that can attract, um, 
shall we say, a little bit of darkness because they don't like to see that. They don't like to see that holy glow. And as always, uh, as Jesse says, we reject, rebuke, and renounce any evil demons in the name of Jesus Christ, especially as we're doing this show. Uh, and I know that we always start with the prayer of St. Michael for protection when we talk about these things. But let's look at anxiety and let's look at in the spiritual world, what does that look like? So now I'm getting attacked. What does that mean for me? <clears throat> all of a sudden you might start experiencing things like I'm trying to be holier, but all of a sudden I'm having really blasphemous thoughts or heretical thoughts. Like what's going on with that? I'm starting to think that things aren't the way that they're being taught, or I'm starting to really get this sense of uh, um, thoughts of lust uh, that normally weren't there. Or what if all of a sudden I start seeing, you know, my thoughts are very painful or I think that God doesn't love me or, you know, things of that religious nature. I go to mass and I just can't function. And especially this happens whenever I try to pray, when I go to mass, right before confession, I feel something's internally just turning dark and really turning me upside down. What's going on with that? Very common for that to happen um, as we start the spiritual life. <clears throat> and what I would equate that to is in the mental health world, we talk about OCD and obsessions and anxiety. In the spiritual world, one of the challenges is that this can lead to something we call scrupulosity. If anybody's ever heard of scrupulosity, is where all of a sudden, not only are we having these thoughts that you know don't correlate to the way we feel or the way we believe, gosh, I had a really bad thought about Mary, I don't know why, um, and I feel really bad about that, and should I go to confession about it or not? Um, you know, I had this happen to me where all of a sudden I'm being tormented by thinking that Christ isn't real or the Eucharist, there's no real presence, thinking that God doesn't love me. Why am I having these thoughts when I'm actually trying to get closer to God? Very common for that to happen. What do we do in that case? One, keep praying. There's, you're never going to go wrong with praying. Whether we feel like there is an effect or not, whether we feel like there's relief or not, the prayer is going to be there. God's going to listen to our prayer. And that's never, you're never at a loss. You're never at a loss of grace. Um, especially if you know, many people were asking me, well, what if I pray for somebody who's passed away, but I don't know if they went to hell or not. And now I'm being scrupulous about that. And I'm worried about this person went to hell, but if I pray for them, but then I'm going to torture them. I wouldn't worry about that. We leave that to God because even if our prayers, if we think that we're praying for somebody, but it might not be efficacious, God will never let graces or prayers go to waste. He will direct them to somebody who needs them um, at the time and who needs them more than us and who might uh, even be willing to accept them. Because the other question we have to ask ourselves is, are we ready to receive the grace from God? And that's what happens a lot when we're scrupulous or when we suffer from obsessions, we start to believe that because we're having dark thoughts or sinful thoughts or temptations, all of a sudden God's not going to love us. And then we kind of turn away because I have to wait till I present myself to God. I become so scrupulous that I think God doesn't love me anymore. I'm not ready to receive his graces because I'm not in a state to receive his graces. I'm not ready to present myself to God. As I was mentioning earlier, you know, the first thing I look at is how does the person present for their clinic appointment? If we start to feel like no matter what I do, even if I put on my best clothes, my best suit and tie, I'm not ready internally to present myself to God. We could fall into the trap of thinking, I can't go to church. I can't pray. I need to step away. And that's really the demonic influence saying, you know, you're never ready to present yourself to God. What I remind people of, uh, especially in deliverance, if they are feeling that way is don't forget the prodigal son. You know, when the prodigal son, if, if we feel like we're in that position where we're so far away from God, we've sinned, we've lost everything. We are hanging out with the pigs in the pig pen and trying to just eat from the trough that the pigs are eating. We got to remember that in that story, the prodigal son that Jesus himself told us, this was, this did not come from anywhere, but the mouth of Jesus, um, per scripture, when 
his son came back, when the, when the son who left the house came back, I don't think he showered. I don't think he stopped to say, hey, I better clean myself and present myself. He himself said, you know what? I just got to get back and I'm going to present myself as a servant. The servants live better in my father's house than the way I'm living. So I'm just going to be a servant and I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. And we got to remember in that story, the father didn't wait for the son. The father went to the son. I don't think the son had showered. I don't think he smelled good. I think he came smelling like the pig's trough. And what, what was the first thing he told his servants? Get my son cleaned up. So he got to his servants, which for us would probably be the angels, right? We want to remember that when we're dealing with spiritual warfare, we don't want to give more credit than credit is due. And we don't want to give less credit than credit is due. We got to remember that if we are being influenced by dark forces, it's probably dark angels, not a dark God. God is only God. And sometimes we think, oh, it's the devil competing against God. And that can be an obsession as well, thinking, oh, the devil's more powerful or this or that. Yeah, we're, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. Angels are very powerful. They're very intelligent. Fallen angels, probably not as powerful or intelligent as our own guardian angels who are in the state of grace. So any angel of the state of grace is going to be much more powerful. And so we got to remember, let's pray to our guardian angels to make it a fair fight. You know, if we're going to have a demon, let's have, it, have an angel in a state of grace fight against them. Ask for more angels to come. Ask our guardian angel how we should pray to give us that knowledge. You would think that if the dark angels are going to give us obsessions or dark thoughts, then guess what? We could probably, we can easily be influenced by positive thoughts and get rid of any scrupulosities, any negative dark spiritual thoughts by talking to our guardian angel, by asking St. Michael to come. Why do we do the prayer to St. Michael? He's an angel, right? He's the leader of all the angels. We ask him to come to our aid. We can also say, you know, I know that uh, there's stories where Padre Pio used to send his guardian angel to different people. Uh, so it wouldn't be impossible to ask for different guardian angels to please give us uh, spiritual uh, illumination so that we know how to pray, what to ask for, and how to think spiritually, especially if we feel like we're in a place where we're lost. Um, and that, that can be really important. So when it comes to anxiety and obsessions, what I say is this. If you're suffering from just clinical anxiety, definitely go see a therapist, go see a psychiatrist, go see your primary care doctor. There are medications that can help that you might not necessarily have to take forever uh, and might help to relieve those anxieties. That can be something that is organic. It can be something that is psychiatric. It can be something that's in, that can be inherited. Um, and if it's something that's more on the spiritual level where you say, no, I feel like I'm being spiritually attacked, don't turn away from God. Don't stop going to receive the sacraments. Don't stop going to confession. And more importantly, sometimes you're going to get better just by ignoring it. A lot of times what, what happens is with the obsession, as I was saying before, when people start reading too much into it, we start thinking, oh my goodness, I better learn more about this. Now, I heard that through tarot cards this, that can influence us. Well, I better learn how to do tarot cards and that way I can battle it. No, you don't even need to know that. You can ignore the tarot card part or how to do that or how to do a seance or how to play the Ouija board. Sometimes we think if we have more knowledge, we're going to be able to fight it better. But the reality is the knowledge that we really need to have is knowledge of the positive of God, of Christ, of Mary, of praying that and everything else will go away. We don't want to get too involved in studying or reading about the demonic because that's actually going to increase our anxieties. And that can happen. So let's talk about oppression um, because we're going to talk about depression as well. So if somebody has so much anxiety that it's making them worry about everything in their life, it can easily lead to somebody becoming depressed. And this can happen all the time. So people start to become depressed. People aren't functioning well at work anymore. How do we know we're depressed? Well, all of a sudden you get to the point where you don't even want to get out of bed. 
uh, you know, if you're, some people will get out of bed just to go to work and that's it. And on the weekend say, doc, I just rather stay in bed all day. If you tell me to get ready at eight o'clock in the morning and say, Hey, why don't we go out and grab some dinner today at four? Maybe I'll start getting ready at three. Not sure I'll be ready at four. You told me this at nine in the morning. Hopefully I can make it, but sometimes the depression uh, is so strong that it causes what we call psychomotor retardation, which means that the brain and the body are just not functioning together. You know, the brain knows what it wants to do, but the body's not going to follow. Our concentration can be off. People think, gosh, I, I have ADHD for sure. I can't concentrate. I can't focus on anything. But we, don't, we forget that we need to attribute a lot of this to just being depressed um, and major depressive disorder. So that can be uh, a big issue um, for people. We worry about the depression uh, coming with thoughts. So you see how it builds thoughts of oppression or thoughts of anxiety, where all of a sudden we start to feel like we're no good. We don't matter to people. It doesn't really matter if we exist anymore. Sometimes people will get to the point where they say, you know, it's not that I'm going to end my life, but if all of a sudden something happens and, and uh, I die, it'll be okay. I don't think my family will miss me. In fact, I think I'm a burden to my family. Those dark thoughts can continue to go, and all of a sudden they can become thoughts of, I think I want to end my life. I think I'm, I'm not going to live here anymore. And we worry about that with depression because the person no longer finds joy in things that they used to find joy in. There's no longer a sense of, gosh, I really enjoyed reading a book. There's, it doesn't bring me joy anymore. It doesn't uplift me. There is a disconnect in my life. It's almost like I'm dead interiorly. And that all of a sudden can cause this depression. That in the spiritual world can be very similar to an oppression. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Thank you for joining us as always as we sit here and we try to think like Catholics so that we can live like Catholics and therefore be Catholic. Today we're talking about a follow-up from um, some talks I was giving at the St. Madeline Catholic Church in Pomona. Um, Father Bravo, great priest out there. If you ever have any, if you're ever in the area and you want to uh, get some spiritual counseling or listen to a good mass, um, Father Bravo will be more than happy to uh, provide you with that. Today we're talking about what's the difference in terms of when we're analyzing somebody between um, mental health and spiritual health. And it can be a very blurry line because it depends on what people have gotten into or what symptoms they're presenting with. Um, and really the other thing is what people are willing to tell you because it's not always easy. I know that if I go to the doctor, it's not always, uh, being a doctor myself, it's not always easy to share our most private private uh, thoughts, private concerns about our bodies, about our minds, um, because we're worried. We're worried about being judged. We're worried that we're going to be told we're less, less than perfect, when in reality, we're just like everybody else. Nobody's perfect, and we all have faults. Hopefully, this is why we always say, how do I find a good doctor? And the interesting thing is, I don't think that by saying good doctor, I don't think people mean necessarily how much does this guy know or you know, how well did he study? In some cases, yeah, we will, obviously we want all doctors that have graduated and have a degree to um, be uh, knowledgeable, but we also want somebody who we trust has our best interests at heart. Somebody who 
when they're going to listen to what we have to say, isn't going to snicker, is going to take us seriously, even if what we say might sound silly uh, and might sound like it doesn't make sense or it shouldn't be that big a deal, but we know it's a big deal to us. We want to make sure that there's a doctor who takes the time to say, okay, I don't know what's going on here, but I want to get to know you. I want to get to know what's going on with you. And this is a big deal. This is what's important when we start to think about in the spiritual world, what does this have to do with deliverance? When we're ready to go to confession, when we're ready to go talk to a priest, when we're ready to better our lives, that's really what we're looking for. When we say, well, who's a good priest? Um, you know, any priest is going to be able to say a mass and do the consecration. And, and as long as he has the faculties, the, conse the consecration is going to be valid. That's not going to be an issue. What we really are looking for is when we do go to confession, when we do talk to somebody one-on-one, -on -one, you know, are they going to take the time to look at what we might present as silly or as not important and realize that that, if that's weighing heavy on our hearts to just kind of take the time to talk to us, to let us know it's going to be okay. And I hear what you're saying, but I need you to think in a different way, or I need you to look at this from a different perspective. And this is what can happen with depression. It gets a lot harder when somebody's oppressed or depressed to be able to have that sense, to be able to um, see things as silly or as light, because all of a sudden, if there is an oppression, a spiritual oppression, everything is heavy. And heavy, what I mean by that is, um, it's like being in a dark room and there's a dark presence sitting on top of you. Some people have said that. Some people have said, you know, I feel like something was crushing me or something was um, hurting me. And that's a little bit more within the realm of um, of oppression. It's something called vexation. If all of a sudden people say, you know, I've got these scars on my body now that weren't there before. I feel somebody pushing on my chest uh, at night and I couldn't breathe, but it was a dark entity. I felt like a hand grabbed me um, and I didn't know what to do about that. You know, that's beyond the, the realm of depression per se. Sometimes in depression, what we got to look at clinical depression, when somebody comes to me, yeah, there's going to be changes in perception. One of the challenging things with depression and happens in anxiety as well, is we start to believe that nobody likes us, that we're no good, that people are watching us, that um, um, they're watching what we're doing and, and that we're being judged. We leave a room, people are talking about us. Well, that happens with depression a lot. I, I you know, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm, there's a dark cloud around me and I'm giving off a dark aura. Um, that can happen with depression, but obviously how's that different from oppression? If you, somebody's being oppressed, there is darkness around them. Things are going wrong in their life. All of a sudden they notice that financially they're just being crushed for no reason. You know, this came out of nowhere. They were doing well at work. They were, um, enjoying their life. And all of a sudden there is, uh, you know, this, this random out of the blue, you know, they got demoted, they lost their job, their boss isn't, uh, liking them anymore. They're not making a good impression at work. Um, and it can be attributed to a lot of bad luck, but if somebody does start to get more involved into dark things, um, or starts to fall into sin and feels that they don't need to fight it anymore or starts to accept it or decides, yeah, you know, this is fine. Um, you know, I've decided what is right or wrong. Um, and so uh, these sins that I have, I'm not going to do, do much about them. In fact, I'm going to continue to do them because God's going to forgive me because I decided that they're right. So we start opening the doors that way and it goes beyond simple obsession and thoughts, but now there's oppression in our lives. Now there's a darkness in our life that we can't really explain. Um, and if it does get to the point where we are being physically attacked or vexation within that oppression, um, that can be very harrowing. And how do you explain that? How do you explain that in a clinical setting? Um, you know, when you talk to somebody and you uh, go to a mental health professional and you say, God, I'm being so oppressed that this is happening. 
all of a sudden that can turn into or look like a psychosis. So what we say, wow, they're having hallucinations or delusions. And then we got to ask ourselves a few things, even within the realm of depression, we're not even going into, into full schizophrenia yet. But in the realm of depression, sometimes people can get psychotic, especially if the depression is not treated over a long period of time. Um, if somebody's just depressed and they are not getting out of bed, there's no joy in life, they start having thoughts that maybe they shouldn't live anymore. If that goes on for a long time without actually being treated, the person can actually start to hear voices, um, see things. And usually when they say they see things, usually they see shadows. They say, no, I see kind of a shadow out of the corner of my eye. How do you distinguish a shadow like that from depression versus let's say that there is a demonic oppression going on and all of a sudden you see some kind of a, a dark shadow. You, it's hard to distinguish. You have to really get into the history and the story and look at the picture of everything together and say, well, what's going on? The beauty of this is a lot of people will say, well, Dr. Sandoval, how do I treat this? Or how do I um, approach this? Because all of a sudden my world has been turned upside down. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious. This can go hand in hand. You're treating me but I still have these dark issues going on in my life. What do I do about that? The treatment is the same. You still have to go have a spiritual life. You have to start praying, continue praying if you're already praying, or if you're not praying, start praying. Get rid of anything demonic. Don't even study it. Don't look at it. There, there's nothing, don't uh, expose your brain to it at all because it's really unnecessary. Our, our souls don't even need to be exposed to that. Even knowing that is kind of sad. We wouldn't have had to have known any of that had it not been for the fall of Adam and Eve. This is where all of a sudden there was knowledge, right? And what did we gain? Knowledge of good and evil. Before it was only knowledge of good. So if we separate ourselves from that kind of knowledge, unless you're you know, called to a ministry in it, um, it's best to not even touch that, not even think about that. People get really uh, uh, turned on to the the wow factor or the, the ooh and the ah factor, you know, the, it, we, we like that as human beings. This is why there's horror movies. We we're intrigued by horror and by fear. And so sometimes we get into that, but the most important thing is to separate that out completely and really focus on the sacraments, really focus on our prayer lives and our spirituality. Um, and that's, what's going to bring us out of that cloud, out of that dust, um, because it can be very, very harrowing. You know, if we are in that position where we focus on ourselves because that's what that's what ends up happening where the depression the anxiety makes us just focus on ourselves it makes us turn inward kind of like in the spiritual world if we just turn inward there's going to be darkness that's what happened to the demons right they weren't going to serve they weren't going to be with god they decided to turn inward and they all of a sudden created this place called hell or hell was created because of that that's really what a lot of people experience too with depression or anxiety. It can be very similar to a hell. It can be very painful. Somebody who's experiencing depression, we cannot underestimate the level of real pain that they are under. Not, it's not going to be the kind of pain that you can see where you cut your arm off or it's bleeding or anything along those lines. It's a different kind of pain, but it's a very real pain. It can be felt in the same way and sometimes even worse. In fact, if you speak to somebody who's experiencing dark, deep pain during depression, they'll tell you, I would much rather deal with physical pain than the pain I'm experiencing now. How do we get out of this? Well, there's lots of different ways. Whenever I see patients, um, they come to me and we talk about depression, and anxiety. I always ask them how their spiritual life is, not because I'm looking for anything demonic, but because it's important. We are physical and spiritual beings, also mind beings. We have a mind, we're thoughtful beings. And so we need to evaluate every single one of these aspects. When we do that and I say, how's your spiritual life? Some will say, oh, pretty good, pretty bad. I did have a patient one time who came in and everything was going bad in their lives. Everything was awful. It was just, 
everything was chaotic. They weren't doing well at work. They weren't doing well at home. Their family wasn't listening to them. There was nothing but arguments and fights, and they couldn't really put their mind on it. Their diagnosis, because of the way they presented, was anxiety and depression. Um, they were crying all the time. They didn't know how to move forward. They'd go to work, but they dreaded going to work. After work, they dread going home. You know, they dread going anywhere. There was a darkness that would seem to be following them, um, and it seemed to not lift at all, regardless of the medication that we were prescribing. And we were prescribing adequate medication. We had a few different trials, but nothing was going well. This person was Catholic, but they were pretty lapsed. They said that they had been Catholic their whole lives, and they really weren't interested in the Catholic faith at this point. They said, you know, it's okay. It's not exactly uh, what what I know of, but at this point I'm willing to try anything because they were saying my life is just in shambles. And they said, maybe I should get back into that. I said, well, you know, if you were Catholic and, and you feel like your whole world is turned upside down, we're, I'm going to keep treating you. We're going to continue the medications and do different trials as needed to hopefully help you lift from that. But it really feels like your whole world is turned upside down. It's not just one area. It's not just a discreet uh, depression or anxiety that's affecting you because it seems like everything at work is bad. It seems like everything at home is bad. And it seems like you're being influenced in a very dark way. Um, so my advice to this person was, why don't you start to go back to the very, very basics, very, very basics, regardless of how silly people think it might be. Um, but why don't you read the Baltimore catechism? Start reading that very basic, you know, why were we made to know God, to love God in this world and to be happy with him in the next very basic thoughts. Put these simple thoughts in your mind. Um, go to church and just sit there. Don't you know, if you don't know how to pray, just sit in front of the blessed sacrament. Don't say a word, just be, be Catholic, just show up. That's all you need to do at this point. And you know, this, this person left and said, okay, well, I'm going to try that. They came back, um, a few months later. I hadn't seen him for a few months. They missed a few appointments and I was a little bit worried because I thought, well, what happened to this person? I don't know. But, you know, it's up to the person to come for help. Um, and they came back a few months later, I think almost a year later, and they were looking totally different. All of a sudden, they were wearing a suit. They looked perfect. They showed up. They came into clinic, and they said, you know, I, I know I missed a few appointments, and I'm sorry about that, but I need to let you know I missed the appointments. And I said, well, do you need refills? And they said, nope. You know, I'm not even taking the medication anymore. I said, what happened? They said, well, I started praying. I started going to church. I started to lead a sacramental life. And everything started to lift, something heavy lifted. My life became better. All of a sudden, I'm doing well at work. I'm getting along with my boss. I can't explain it for whatever reason, but I'm going to be promoted. And at home, my family's getting along. Things are peaceful again, and I don't even know how to explain it. And all they did was, yes, they continued the medication I gave them. We didn't change the medication. They stopped the medication later on because as they started to improve in their spiritual life, everything else got better. Their depression, their anxiety lifted. And really in this case, we would have to ask ourselves, was this really depression or anxiety or more of an obsession and oppression type situation? I would dare say it was the latter. Well, this is the end of the first part of our show. We talked about depression and anxiety. I hope you stick around next week for part two of the show, where we're going to talk about psychosis and bipolar. And until next week, you're listening to the Dr. Lou Sandoval Show, and I hope that you can think like a Catholic so that you can live like a Catholic and be Catholic. Until next time.